I was flattered when David asked me to talk to you about my spiritual journey. Then I thought about it. It's pretty daunting. It's led me to a lot of self-reflection and examination of my faith and what led me to where I am today. I'll begin by recounting several formative life experiences which compelled me to choose the profession I dedicated my life to and help define who I am as a person. With that foundation, I'll tell you about my spiritual journey, which has found its home in the neighborhood church. I lived the first nine years of my life in the little town of Barrington, Illinois. We were a very traditional Midwest family. In 1953, our world was upended. My dad realized that he was becoming stayed in his profession as a controller of a Chicago hospital and sought an entirely new venture. He signed up for the United States government's Point Four program. He was to teach accounting to the heads of small businesses in Santiago, Chile, and we would live there for the next two and a half years. It was a life-changing experience for my sister and me. We learned to speak Spanish as if we were natives, and I attended grade school at St. George's College, run by the Fathers of Notre Dame. It was an eye-opening and unique experience for a little boy raised in the pure Anglo culture of a small Midwestern town. On our return to the U.S. in 1955, we moved to Palo Alto, where I graduated from high school. I then attended Northwestern University. I, as many young people in my generation, was inspired by John F. Kennedy's inaugural address when he challenged us, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. It galvanized me to pursue a career in the public service with the intent of joining the U.S. Diplomatic Service and serving in Latin America. After securing a master's degree in Latin American studies at Georgetown University, my first wife and I joined the Peace Corps and were assigned to a tuberculosis control program in the Department of Tarija, Bolivia. Bolivia had the second lowest per capita income of any nation in Latin America, second only to Haiti. Our posting was a little pueblo of 1,400 people, Concepcion, located on the eastern slope of the Andes, about 7,000 feet above sea level. The campesinos, peasants in our village with whom we worked, survived on subsistence agriculture. The town had no running water, no paved roads, no automobiles, a poultry market, and we built the fifth latrine in town. They lived primarily on a diet of potatoes and starches. However, in spite of their poverty and threadbare existence, we found the campesinos to be cordial, warm, loving, appreciative, and possessing tremendous grit and ingenuity. As little as they had, if we admired anything they possessed, they insisted we take it. 
I want to recount two significant incidents that occurred in Bolivia near the end of our tour of duty. My wife and I were returning from the town of Tarija to our village on our motorcycle. We were climbing to the crest of a hill in a single unpaved lane at a speed of 40 to 45 miles an hour. As we reached the top, I looked up and saw a Mack truck coming at us less than 100 feet away. In that instance, my entire life flashed through my head. My sensation was simply one of acceptance. I've come to meet my maker at the young age of 26, and it's been a good life. This is it. Fortuitously, I was able to avoid a direct hit. The truck struck us a glancing blow with its right front end. The point of impact was Janet's ankle, which was broken in eight spots. The truck stopped several hundred feet ahead by downshifting through all its gears. The driver placed my wife in the cab of the truck, and I followed them to the town of Tarija, riding behind them on my barely functional motorcycle. We took her to the hospital where the ankle was set and placed in a cast, only to be reset a couple of days later by the Peace Corps doctor in Cochabamba. The incident left me with a tremendous sense and realization that life is short and it is a gift. It behooves us to make the best of every day, to live each to the fullest, and to savor and be thankful for what we have. Carpe diem, we must live life with purpose. The second incident was the most gratifying thing that happened to me in my two-year stint in Bolivia. A campesino came to our house a few months before our tour of duty was to end. He had been a strong, robust, hardworking farmer who provided for his wife and children. He was experiencing all the classic symptoms of TB. He skin tested positive, and we secured a sputum sample. The results showed he had TB. We initiated the regimen, which is one pill a day for two years, and his health immediately improved. He gained strength. His appetite came back. His night sweats diminished. He was able to work in the fields again. He was infallible in taking his pill each day and always returned to receive his new 30-day supply. He came to visit me a few days before we were to return to the U.S. He greeted me and profusely thanked me for what I'd done to help him return to being a productive individual who could once again provide for his family. Then he said with all sincerity, I believe that you are an angel that was sent by God to save my life, and I will be eternally grateful to him for sending you here to cure me. The fact that we were able to do that for one solitary person made my entire two years in Bolivia worthwhile. Now a tableau is imprinted indelibly on my mind that seems to appear whenever I'm experiencing a difficult period in my life. The scene appears toward the end of the day when the light is fading and the atmosphere is tinged with a gray hue. 
I am standing on a corner in Concepcion, looking up a dusty dirt road and over the tops of simple adobe homes. I am reflecting on the alert and energetic children I have come to know who have absolutely no future. They will never gain enough knowledge in their rudimentary rural schools to matriculate to the university. Even if they somehow surmount this formidable hurdle and are admitted, they would have no money to pay the expenses. They will never travel the world nor have a choice of profession. They are consigned to being subsistence farmers, just as their fathers and their fathers' fathers, or to being wives and mothers who often bear upwards of ten children. And then I think, what would happen to me if I were born to parents living in this impoverished village? By the accident of birth, I had the good fortune to be born to middle-class American parents living in the Midwestern United States. We owned our house. I had my own room. I attended one of the best school systems in the U.S., and my parents had the wherewithal to send me to any college I chose. Indeed, I won the Genetic Lottery. It also gave me the realization that I have a deep obligation to make the most of which has been bestowed upon me and not squander it. With privilege comes responsibility. I feel compelled to work hard, collaborate with others, and apply my skills to whatever I can do to elevate the well-being of our community. This tableau of life in Concepcion was indeed my spiritual awakening and my realization that I owe a debt to humanity. It reaffirmed my commitment to a career in the public service. On concluding our stint in the Peace Corps, I made one adjustment to my career goals. Instead of going into the Foreign Service, I redirected myself to a career in local government in the U.S. I felt this is where I could have the greatest impact. And I also realized how American I was and how much I missed the U.S. I enrolled in the Masters of Public Administration program at Syracuse University, and after receiving my degree, I returned to California and began a 35-year, highly satisfying career in city management. So, how do these formative life experiences coalesce with my faith journey? I'm certain that God has been present with me when I face these travails, but I do not see him as my Savior. I believe that he is my strength giver and is always present, to provide me the power, the sustenance, the fortification, and the resolve to address whatever challenge I face. He wants me to prevail, but I must figure out how to do so. He is indeed my Father. It was not until later in life that I found my church home. In 1989, I took the job as city manager of Palos Verdes Estates, and in that position, I was obliged to attend the funerals of prominent members of the community who had just passed. Most often, 
These were conducted by Dr. Carl Johnson. I dreaded going to them, but a strange thing happened. I came out of the service feeling uplifted by Carl's celebration of the life of the deceased. It stimulated me to start attending Sunday services at the neighborhood church. I went to membership class and discovered the UCC theology was right in line with my feelings about religion and the message of Jesus' life. I joined in 1991 and have been a member for these past 30-plus years. A dramatic and life-altering event occurred during the fifth year of my tenure as city manager on Valentine's Day, 1994. The chief of police, a facilitator, and I were conducting a team-building workshop with the police command staff on the top floor of the Holiday Inn in Torrance. Suddenly, an armed assailant burst into the room, brandishing two automatic pistols. A sergeant and captain were killed, as well as the perpetrator, in the span of the following two minutes. I realized once again I had inexplicably escaped death. I felt God's presence. It reaffirmed to me the tenuousness of life and the necessity to make the most of the time we have on earth. In closing, I want to talk about the incredible experience I've had with the neighborhood church since I joined. The most gratifying are the relationships I've developed with each of you through my service on the various ministries, as well as the Board of Trustees and as moderator. Probably my most meaningful experience was when Karen Tucker and I were asked by the retiring senior minister to serve as co-chairs of the Pastoral Search Committee. We were fortunate that we were able to entice the best candidate, Dr. David Young, to assume the job, and he has served as our inspiration and guiding light for the past seven and a half years. Two years ago, I had emergency back surgery for a condition called cauda equina, and five months ago, Kathy had the first of three surgeries on her knee and back. We were overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and support from all of you, and most of all, the prayers that hastened our healing. We both realized that in joining the neighborhood church, we have gained a loving and caring extended family in every sense of the word. We have been truly blessed by our ministers and our friends at the church. We indeed have found our long-sought spiritual home. And I thank you for the opportunity to share my faith journey with you today.